there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. This is the first podcast from Europe in Holland. I'm going to talk to you this morning about something you're all interested in, uh, something that you love dearly, and that's suiting yourself. When people hear of self-observation, they imagine they've done it for years. We imagine we know what words mean. In short, we imagine that we understand. It's only when we don't understand that we begin to understand something about ourselves. As soon as you realize, you know, I, I don't get it, I don't know, I don't understand, is at that moment that you have an opportunity to not know something. All understanding must begin with understanding ourselves. And that's usually the last thing we ever apply ourselves to, the idea of understanding ourselves. We apply ourselves to the idea of understanding the work. We apply ourselves to the idea of understanding other people. Why, does, why did he do that? Why, why is she this way? Why is it like that? Why, did, why does the world have to be this way? Why do there have to be wars? How come people get sick? Why does God let this happen? We, we want to understand all of the things that don't matter at all until we can understand ourselves. Because until we can begin to understand ourselves, it doesn't matter what else we understand, because we won't be properly related to whatever it is we think we understand. So then when we change, when our level of understanding changes, when our understanding expands, then everything that we understood has to change with it, because it's all connected. There's absolutely no way that it can be just a matter of, okay, well, now I understand, and that's the end of that. Because understanding has to continue to grow. It's like it's like leaven in, in a measure of flour. You put some leaven in a measure of flour, and and then it all becomes leavened over time. And so understanding is expansive like that. It has to continue to grow. Understanding and the kingdom of heaven are a great deal alike. You know, it's an expanding state of consciousness. Understanding is an expanding state of consciousness. The kingdom of heaven is an expanding state of consciousness. And this is what we're looking for. We're looking for an expanding state of consciousness within ourselves. But unfortunately, we're paying so much attention to all the things in life or all the things outside of us or all the people outside of us, trying to understand them, that we spend very little force, very little energy, very little time in understanding the most important thing, understanding ourselves. And so the Oracle of Delphi said, man, know thyself. The majority of people go through life imagining that they already know themselves. What could be worse than this? What can be worse than thinking that you have something that you don't actually have? And then, of course, you'll never look for it. Ah, you got to love the local flavor of the, the, uh, the Spanish here. <laughs> this blocks the way to understanding because you won't look for what you think you possess. You can't add to a full cup. And, of course, I'm referring to that old Zen... Uh, aphorism or story about the the man who went to a Zen master and he asked him all these questions and the Zen master just sat there and looked at him. He kept asking questions and asking questions and asking questions until the Zen master finally got up and he got them both a cup and he put a cup in front of the visitor and he put his cup down and he brought out his teapot and he poured 
tea into the man's cup. And he poured and he poured and he poured and it overflowed the cup and it ran all over the table and the man shouted, stop it, stop it, can't you see you're pouring tea all over the table? And the Zen master just continued to pour it, continued to pour it the whole time and it never mattered to him. He just placidly poured and when he finished he put he filled his cup and then he put the pot down and the man just looked at him perplexed absolutely stunned like what an idiot and i thought you were a zen master and it turns out you can't even pour a cup of tea you moron and the zen master said and this is what happens when you don't have anything to hold the understanding in and it wouldn't matter how many times i answered your question because you're already a full cup and everything that I would pour into you would run out and be wasted. So this is the very truth about us, but we can never see it about ourselves. We can see it about that foolish man who went to the Zen master, but we can't see it about ourselves. And the person we need to see it about is ourselves. And that's why all understanding must begin with understanding ourselves. Man, know thyself. Self-observation is a tool that the work teaches us to use to begin to understand that we do not understand ourselves, that as we are, we are very far from knowing ourselves. We have no idea how far, but let's just take it on faith for now that we're very far from understanding ourselves, from knowing ourselves. We have to be taught how and what to observe. A good place to start, according to the work, is with internal considering, of which making accounts against others is one very large part and one part that it's very easy to start with. It's as, it's as if you were as if you were starting with anything. When you when you remember when you started in school to write when they brought you the paper. Remember those yellow sheets of paper with the big lines. They were so tall, so far apart. And they gave you these huge pencils, these big pencils for little hands. And it was because they knew that we didn't have the dexterity. And so with, with, with no dexterity, there's, you know, it's very difficult to do that. And these big sheets of paper, yellow paper with the blue lines and, the, and they're very wide apart. And then they would teach us to write an A, an A, an A over and over and over again until we could finally form an A. And then they would start with the next letter and then the next letter. And perhaps they would say, well, an A and then an apple and whatever, and a B and for a boy or whatever it was. And it went on and on like that. <clears throat> and so there was really nothing that we could do in the beginning. You just didn't sit down and write. You sat down and you started with something small. And the work knows this about us. It knows that essentially... As spiritual beings, we've been so drawn into the world that we've lost our identity as spiritual beings. And now we look at ourselves as physical beings. And the work tries to woo us back out of the world, to pull us back out of the world, back into ourselves first. We have to first come into ourselves before we can go up. You cannot go up from the world. You can only go up from inside yourself. So you first have to be pulled back into yourself. And that's what the work does. And it's a slow process, a very slow process. So it teaches us what to observe. It teaches us that we are very far from knowing ourselves and 
that there are certain things that are good to start with and things that are not so good to start with. You're starting with arithmetic. You start with 1 plus 1 equals 2. 2 plus 2 equals 4. 1 plus 2 equals 3. You start with very simple things. And the reason is because we're not well suited for that in the beginning. Our minds are not ready for that. And so the work starts with that. It, it brings us along slowly. And that's why it suggests begin self-observation with internal considering. Because internal considering is something that we all do, whether we know it or not. And so we begin to look at, we begin to look for this. We begin to look inside of ourselves and see, well, where might I be considering internally? What might I be doing? And then they say, well, making accounts against others is one part of that. So it's a very good thing to observe. There are few people who don't debilitate themselves feeling owed. Most people in the world, most people you know, most people you will ever meet, drain their force, drain their energy, drain their life away by feeling that they've been owed, feeling that other people owe them, that life owes them, that their parents owe them, that their siblings owe, owe them, that the people they work for owe them, or the people who work for them owe them. And they imagine that their lives would improve if other people only treated them better. Well, if people would just be nicer, if people would just kinder in the world, if people would just love one another more, if people just weren't so mean to each other, if people were more forgiving, if people were more generous, if, 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 then life would improve. And what we're really saying is my life would improve. We're not that interested in how life is for other people. We're interested in our own lives improving. Now, of course, you know this touches the one thing we talk about very often, the self-love. And anytime we touch the self-love, it's a problem for us. We start to shrink like an anemone that's been touched. We don't like that. We start to close up, clam up. We retreat into ourselves. No, no, get away from my self-love. But you have to train yourself to stay open. You have to train yourself to breathe. You have to train yourself to relax the muscles in your body, to just shake your hands out, shake your shoulders out, shake your neck out, and just relax and take a breath. And just open yourself up and let yourself receive without letting the self-love shut you down and, and turn you off to whatever is coming in contract you so that you become a narrow being, so that you become a narrow-minded person. We're narrow-minded enough. We don't need any more of that. So it's nearly impossible to tell people nothing would be different. If everything in the world changed, if people were nicer, if people were more generous, if people were more loving, nothing would change for you and that you're making yourselves angry, you're making yourselves bitter, you're making yourselves resentful, you're making yourselves sick. I say, you make yourself sick. You say, who would make themselves sick? That's insane. I don't make myself sick. You think I want to be sick? You think I want cancer? You think I want this? You think I want that? You're the crazy one, not me. Again, we touch the self-love. Again, we touch the buffers that keep us from seeing our contradictions. And this is what the work does all the time. It plays us like a piano. It hammers and taps here and there. And it moves us and makes us sing. And the song that we sing is not very nice in the beginning. It's more like a discordant, wailing blues song that does us no good whatsoever. Like, listen to your own song. Listen to the song that you sing all day. No, he did this and she did that. And why does this always happen to me? Like, uh, it was like 
uh, Oscar told Felix Unger in the, the Odd Couple, you whine all the time. And Oscar went and he was sitting out on the front step and he was talking to a neighbor and he says, he says, I whine. I don't whine, do I? And he would be, of course, the last to know. And we're always the last to know what we sound like. And when someone does bring it out to us, then what do we say? Well, that was because of this. Well, that was because of that. I'm not like that all the time. I'm just not like that. That's not me. That's just because of all these things that are happening now. We're so full of balloon juice. We just won't see ourselves as we are. So the work has to, to bring us so slowly into it because we're so resistant and we're so full of ourselves. Our cups are so full. It's so difficult for us to accept these things. But I tell you that the work is telling us the truth. The conscious circle of humanity means nothing but good for us. They are leading us up out of this if we will but follow. So if it rains on someone's parade. What is it that they think? God and the universe are conspiring against me. Why did this have to happen today? It's my birthday, and, and now I and now of all days to have a thunder shower. We're going to have this wonderful picnic and party outside. All my friends are here, and we were all set up, and now the rain has come, and it's ruined everything, and the cake is ruined. Now the whole day is ruined, and wah, God hates me, and the universe doesn't love me, and boo-hoo. This indicates a weak level of being where everyday events negatively, negatively charge us emotionally. We, just a simple thing like rain, just a simple thing like the sun didn't come out, just a simple thing like the, a cloud passed before the sun while we were getting ready to take a picture. A simple thing like something blew off the table that we didn't want on the table. You remember the time we <laughs> remember the time we were at Kitchen Creek and we were out camping and it was Thanksgiving and we <laughs> and uh, we had the, the the big turkey that we roasted uh, barbecued in that big barbecue thing and and it was sitting on the table and the wind blew the table over <laughs> and Chad's dog Rusty grabbed the turkey <laughs> grabbed the turkey and took off with it. And it was like, oh, it was the end of the world for some people, for the turkey eaters. It was the end of the world for the turkeys, but it wasn't so bad for the rest of us. Anyway, I can't hear you laughing, but you better be laughing, because if you're not laughing, you're excommunicated. <laughs> All right. But the world isn't, the God isn't conspiring against us. This really just is an indication of our own weak level of being. So that just these little simple things negatively charge us emotionally. We just get charged emotionally. It's like, and we become negative and, and we stay that way because we don't know how to discharge it. We don't know how to operate. We don't know how to handle things like that. Then what happens? Internal accounts begin to collect. They begin to build up, making our past a heavy burden that drags us down into lower states of consciousness all the time, spoken of as hell in esoteric writings. Without self-observation, we will never see we're doing it to ourselves. We're always going to be looking outside. We're always going to be saying, well, that man said this. Well, that man disrespected me. Well, that man was trying to argue with me. We had, uh, um, well, I won't tell that story because you don't want to hear that. Well, you might want to hear it, but you're not going to hear it. <clears throat> so, we have to learn to develop some steel inside of ourselves. Because people with weak being tend to coddle themselves. They tend to treat themselves oh so tenderly. 
They tend to powder their own bottoms, as it were. They tend to be very soft with themselves. And Patty's like this. You know, you, you, I remember going to the gym with Patty, and she would work out. And, you know, and when she would work out, it was, she was never really working out. She was never really pressing herself. She was always just kind of doing just what she could get by with. Sorry, Pat, I know that this probably isn't very fun for you, but, but it's the truth. And it's a good example, and I and I know that if you're still with us after all this time, you know that you're going to be crucified every once in a while for for a sacrifice for the other people. So it happens to all of us. This is your turn in the barrel, so enjoy the pickles. What can I say? <clears throat> Just don't suck on them, because they're sour, and they'll make your face look like you were weaned on a pickle, and you won't like that. Anyway, we've got to develop something inside of us, so that each time second force comes up in our lives, we don't whine about how unfair it all is. You know, we, we, we go through life as if life isn't supposed to oppose us, but life does oppose us. This is the reality of being here under 48 and 96 orders of law. We must be opposed. It's the way it is. But we're so busy saying, oh, it shouldn't be this way. Why did God let this happen? Wah, wah, wah. And this is coddling ourselves. This is a weak level of being. We can strengthen our being, though, by observing what happens to us personally in external life. If we continue to operate blindly, each little upset will continue to make us miserable, and then we become pittas to all the people around us. You remember what a pitta is, a pain in the, you know, butt. I guess it would be, because you can't say P-I-T-B, because that's not really pronounceable. So we say pitta. Anyway, you just become uh, unpleasant with two other people around you, and you become miserable in yourself, and that does no one any good. And that's a weak level of being, but you can strengthen your, your level of being. You see, people who take themselves for granted and are oversensitive to the streaming events of life, they can't observe themselves. And you say, right, of course they can't. But, but I say, but are you like that? And you say, well, no, no, I'm, I'm not like that. I, I don't do that. But that's the wrong answer. The right answer is, well, I don't know. Let me look and see. Let me genuinely, sincerely ask myself that question. Am I like that? Do, do, do I take myself for granted? And am I oversensitive to events? I mean, am I oversensitive to things like that? Am I like that? These are questions we genuinely need to ask ourselves. The next time you find yourself suddenly hurt, for example, say you're walking along and you, you, you stub your toe or you trip over something in the dark as you're going to turn the light switch on. And you say, "Lo, life is so unfair. Observe yourself. Look at yourself. See if you were upset. When you can't find the fork that you left just there, when you go to the pantry and you can't remember why you're there, when you go to get in the car and you look and your car keys are not in your purse or not in your pocket, and then you want to blame somebody, look at that. Look at that and see if you're not overly sensitive to the streaming events of life. And then observe yourself. Because if you are, if you're taking yourself for granted, if you're just imagining that life should constantly be for you and not against you, you're in a dream world. You're, you're in imagination. It's not the way it is here. This is a pain factory. You need to remember this. You need to remember that you are in prison. You are in a pain factory. And here you are. Oh, but it's going to be just fine. A little... 
a little flower arrangement there and a couple throw pillows over there. Oh, we could put some curtains over the bars and it wouldn't be like a prison at all. No, well, we could paint we could paint everything white and that would make the little room so much more expansive. And oh, if I only had a print of a, a Cezanne or a, or a Van Gogh, you know, then, I, then I'm sure it would be prettier. I'm sure it would be better. I'm sure I'd be happier here then. But that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not the way it is here. We, we need to get out of here. And the way, the only way to get out of here, of course, is not to leave here, but to insulate ourselves from this and to raise our level of being so that we under, are under fewer laws. And the way we do that is, first of all, by self-observation. And one of the best things to observe is our internal considering, how we make accounts against other people. That's a very large part of internal consideration. And this is a, and, the, and it's the big things that are easier to see. You don't go for the little things first, for the minutiae first. You go for the big things that are easy to see. And then you look and you say, but I can't see that. I can't see that I do that. I don't do that. Then you have to keep on looking. You have to look where the work tells you to look. You have to look the way the work tells you to look. And like I said... One of those things is the next time you find yourself suddenly hurt. Then look. Is life being unfair? Is it all wrong? Did you get negative? Did you think that you should never be hurt? That you should never stub your toe? That you should never trip anything over anything? That the kids should never leave anything on the stairs for you to step on? That somebody should never be so thoughtless to leave a tack on the floor and have you step on it? This is just wrong. This just is not a good attitude for people who wish to work. If you wish to work, you must get beyond that. You must see that you are being dragged down by life. And you must begin to insulate yourself from it by observing yourself and beginning to separate from that with which you are observing. We make life out to be so cruel when it's only natural to have second force in everything all the time. We act as if it should be or could be some other way. We're asleep. The problem is we're asleep. The problem is not life. The problem is that we are asleep to the way life is. We either will what we have to do or we make all sorts of requirements. So you have things to do. There are things that life require of you. You either make all sorts of requirements and all sorts of excuses about why you're not doing it, or you will to do it. And by willing to do it, you begin to, you begin to make an alloy in yourself of steel, that you have something that can resist life. You have something in you that can stand up. You have something in you that's not bent over every time that life pushes against you, every time that second force appears and second force will appear every time you try to do anything because whatever thing you have chosen to do, second force is the other part of that. It's like a ball and you choose one side of it and the other side of it is second force. The other side of it has to be there because it cannot be a whole thing without the opposing force. And so second force is a, is a genuine, real, valuable tool and we need to use it and not resist it. We need to account for it and be ready for it and make our estimate considering that. So if we make internal accounts not observing what's happening, we brood over injust the injustices of life. Oh, how horrible it is. Why do people have to be that way? Why couldn't it just be nice? Why do people have to cheat one another? <laughs> I was at the airport in uh, Heathrow 
and I needed some money. And the woman said, and of course all I had was American dollars, and I wanted a bottle of water in, uh, in the UK, and of course in the UK, that's the, the, uh, the country that has decided not to have euros, they keep their British pound, so you have to buy British pounds, and if you're going to get on a plane and you're going to end up somewhere else in Europe, then you have to have euros. So I thought, well, I'll have to have so many euros. So and the woman said, well, if you have buy $400 worth of whatever, we will not charge you a commission. I said, okay, well, I can do that. Give me $400 worth of euros and $5 worth of uh, British money so that I can buy a bottle of water, and then I'll... Uh, then I'll avoid the commission. And so she sold me all the stuff, and and I went, and of course I don't know what the money is, and the, the, the pounds and all that. I don't know what the coins are. I like was a handful of coins on the on the British money. And, and so I went to, to buy the water, and I picked up the bottle of water and handed it to the guy and held out my hand with the money in it and said, take what you need and leave the rest. And he did, of course. And uh, that was that. But then I, I got to to Germany, and, and um, <clears throat> I said, well, this is what I got for the money that I gave them. And, and she says to me, you were cheated. That's, that's the bad rate, and you were cheated. And I said, what do you expect? They have you prisoner in an airport. <laughs> They're not going to give you bank rates. They don't care. And I could, could just have easily have said, well, that's just not fair. Why do people have to be like that? There's a, that's a huge injustice. But I didn't do that. And the reason I didn't do that is because I do this work instead. And it's only money. And it doesn't matter. And this is how people are here. People are asleep. People are greedy. People are machines. They, they don't know anything else. You can't expect anything else of them. All you can do is what you do. And if you're not willing to pay, then you shouldn't play. If you're not willing to pay, then don't come to Europe. If you're not willing to pay, then don't try to do this work. Stay home. Read the books. Imagine that you're doing it. Leave yourself out of all of this if you're not willing to pay. It's going to cost you something, and it's not going to cost you a mere pittance. It's going to cost you everything that you have. And if you're not willing to pay everything that you have, then you're not fit. It's just exactly what the esoteric teachings say. Anyone who puts his hand to the plowshare and then looks back, he's not fit for this. He's not fit for this. You can't come to this until you're ready to put your hands at the plowshare and then plow straight ahead, as straight a row as you know how to plow. And if you go off and if you fall over, then you pick yourself up again and you straighten out your row and you keep on moving. This is not about turning back. This is about going forward. There is no back to go to once you start on this path. There is nowhere to go back. You know that. That's why you're here because there isn't anywhere else to go. If there was somewhere else to go, you'd have gone years ago. Admit it. <laughs> well, some of you would have. Some of you are far too obtuse and difficult to even quit. So anyway, yeah, I'm not talking to you, Steve, so don't look at me that way. So here we are. <clears throat> we imagine that somehow life should be some other way and we brood over all of its injustices and I was cheated over the money and oh, it, I could have gotten a better rate and oh, if I just waited and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, look, it's done, it's over. Well, they cheated you, I don't care. I did it, I chose, I did what I did. This was my choice. 
You wanted the money. When I got off the plane, the only way for me to get it was in the airport. It was either the airport here or the airport there. And so I got it there. So here, it's over. That's the end of it. I don't want to hear any more about it. That's the way it is. I'm not going to brood over the injustices of life, and I recommend that you don't either. We miss the opportunity to be grateful for all the wonder that surrounds us and the lack of appreciation for the potential work that's offered to us by higher forces helping us develop. I had a choice. I had a choice. I could brood over the injustice of the money exchange, of the money changers. Jesus didn't like the money changers either. He threw them out of the temple. And so I threw them out of me. And how do you do that? You refuse to be negative about it. That's how you do it. You refuse to let those money changers and their greed and their avarice and their lying, cheating ways, you refuse to let them affect you negatively. You refuse to let those impressions fall on that part of you, on that holy, sacred temple part of you. You refuse to let them in there. And so you insulate yourself from that. You let that stuff fall away. You let that stuff slide off of you. It's not important. What is important? What is important is your own temple, your own inner development, your own growth. That's what's important. That needs to be protected more than anything else, especially in these early stages. And so I say, look instead at the wonder that surrounds us. Look instead and be appreciative at all of this as potential work. This was all potential work offered to me by higher forces, offered to me by a being that wants to work. And I say, great, let's do it. But no, we suit ourselves. We meet life with some other thing other than inner strength. Or life meets us and we roll over and leaves us bitter and negative. But I say, the way to suit yourself is to suit yourself with something more like steel, something more resilient, something that is able to stand against life, to be firm and to not allow it to sway you, to not allow it to make you negative, to not allow people to help you and help life make you negative. Don't become bitter. Don't become negative. Instead, just let it go. Let it go right by you. It's not important. The work is stronger than life. This is the thing we need to understand. If you understand this work properly, it will give you strength. Strength to meet the streaming events of life differently. Rather than scattering your force, you'll have an inner focus that serves your essential self rather than your false personality that thrives on negative states. Truly, truly, the work is stronger than life. If it were not so, there would be no possible development for us and we would be the most pitiful of all people. The only people who would be making any sense would be the people who were out there robbing and stealing and killing and hating. They would be the only people who had a brain in their head because they would be living the law of the jungle. They would be doing the things that that the lower animals do. They wouldn't be working at all because there would be no need to work because there would be no possibility of evolution. There would be no possibility of development. But that's not true. That's not the way it is. Because this work is stronger than life, it can lift us up out of life, and it can transform us. But there is something for us to do. All of this, all of this has to be preceded by self-remembering in ourselves. We must take life from a work point of view, or a life, or life will season us with negative emotions. And then, after it seasons us and has a nice, savory fajita 
or a nice savory taco or a nice savory soup. It'll eat us. And if you want life to continue to eat you, then just keep on doing what you're doing. But if you'd like to turn that around, then you must begin, first of all, by remembering yourself. We must remember to take life from a work point of view rather than to have life take us by surprise. Our problem is we justify ourselves, finding we have every right to be negative. Oh, but, but, but how difficult it is for us to remember if we're negative, it's our fault. If you are negative, it's your fault. This is such a bitter pill. It's like you find yourself in, in the throes of negativity, just in a rage, in a, in a self-righteous rage at some person that they did this to you. They cheated you. How could they do that? They cheated you. You come to their country as a visitor, as a guest, and they cheat you. It's like, so? What's that got to do with anything? Well, it's just not right. So? Who said everything had to be right here? This is a world of mechanical sleeping people. Anyone who expects them to be awake is asleep himself. And if you're asleep yourself, then everything happens the only way that it can happen. There's nothing to worry about there either. It happened the only way it could happen. But no, we, injusti we justify ourselves instead, finding that we're right, finding that, that being negative is right, and we get agreement. Someone else comes along and they say, well, they cheated you. And you say, yeah, I know, isn't that? Those creeps, blah, 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 blah. I ought to write them a letter. I think I should do this. Well, maybe I should go back there. And Yeah, 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 yeah. And see, that's what we do, and that's not working. That's not what this is about. The work must come between us and our mechanical reactions to life's streaming events. If it doesn't, we remain at the same level of being, and life is our poison. Life literally poisons us day in and day out. Every time we breathe in the air, every time we drink the water, every time we take in words from someone else, every time something comes in through our eyes, our ears, our nose, every time we pick something up, we're touching poison. If we could really remember ourselves, each moment, life would have no power over us. Maurice Nicole said, self-justifying has such sway over us that it takes us years before we can realize what this means. But we don't have years. How can you say that, Dr. Nicole? We don't have years. We have to have this now. We can't wait. But you can't have it now. This work takes effort and it takes time, just like it took you time to learn the alphabet when you were learning, just how it, like it took you time to learn how to read when you were a child, just look at, like it took you time to learn how to ride a bicycle. This is no different. Trust me when I say your essential being is no more than five or six or seven years old, where its growth was stunted at that time. And now that you're coming to it again, you're coming to a little child and you have to bring it along slowly. And you have a very strong enemy who is standing between you and your goal. And that is the false personality and all that that means. Imaginary I and all that that means. The self-love and all that that means. Pride and vanity and all that that means. So what shall we do? We can begin by observing when we are negative while remembering it's our fault. Yes, of course, you know when you're negative. You're easy, it's good, it's easy to do that. Yes, I'm negative, I'm negative. Someone said to me today, well, you're negative. And I said, no, no, I'm not negative. This is the truth. This is what's so. It may be perceived as, by someone else as negative, but I am not negative. I'm simply telling the truth. And I'm doing it flatly. I know because I'm in here. You're out there 
and your and what is coming into you is your own impressions and where they're falling on you is where they're falling on you and that has nothing to do with me well can't you ever be wrong well of course I can be wrong I'm wrong all the time every time I offer an opinion it's wrong and so here we are I've allowed something to sour my state against this I must struggle in the light this is what we need to be saying to ourselves when we see ourselves negative it's our job to remember at that time, at that moment, it's our fault. You need to say to yourself, I have allowed something to sour my state. Against this, I must struggle in the light. And what does that mean, in the light? It means in the light of what this work teaches. It means in the light of what we have accepted, what we have verified, what we know to be is true. It may be only a small thing, but it's enough. It is that thing that you need to cling to. Whatever thing that you have verified in the work, whatever you, have, whatever you know is true, whatever you found out for yourself, yes, I know this, this is true. That is the thing you must cling to. That is the thing you must use. That is your touchstone, as it were. So you touch that and you discharge your negative emotions. In the same way, back in the old days, when people were working inside of a computer with all the chips, they used to have a little mat that they would touch and it would it would discharge the static electricity in their bodies so that if they touched a chip accidentally, it wouldn't ruin the chip. And so you must have this touchstone, this little touch mat, and it must be this work idea that you touch. And when you touch it, it discharges all of your negative energy. You become flat and you touch the work and the work gives you a new meaning. The work gives you a new way of looking at things. This idea gives you a new set of glasses to wear as you look at the impressions that are here before you. And when you do that, you stop poisoning yourself. When you do that, you begin to actually work. We can begin by observing when we're negative, that it's not our fault, that it is our fault when we're negative, that we've allowed something to sour us, and that we have to struggle with this touchstone against that. Without great faith in the work and what the work teaches, we will not be sincere enough to avoid why shouldn't I be negative? I have the right to be negative. What they did, everyone agrees, is a bad thing. They should never be allowed to do things like that. People should not behave that way. This is a very dangerous state to be in. Anyone would be negative. Anyone would be upset. Anyone would have the right. Anyone, anyone, everyone agrees that that's a bad thing. This is not this may work in the world, but this will never work for you. Not if you wish to develop. You must issue this with everything in your being. You must reach down inside of yourself and find some steel so that you can stand against this in the world. Being in a negative state conducts influences that prevent you reaching higher center, which gently and slowly heal and alter your level of being. When I say gently and slowly, I mean gently and slowly because nothing in this universe Nothing organic in this universe enjoys shocking changes. It must, if it's a slow change, you look at evolution. Evolution is ever so slow that it's almost imperceptible. We have hardly any signs of evolution unless we look thousands or millions of years back into the, what are they called? What are those things called where they have little things in stone? Ah, that they dig up a thousand years, millions of years old. Fossils, that's it. They have fossils. And uh, we look at the fossils and we say, oh my gosh, the, this thing still exists. We still have these things still exist on the planet today. But we see other things that we don't see anymore. They, they had flippers and now they have legs. So they, they 
slowly over millions of years changed into something else. This is why we don't see evolution when we look for it here now, because it takes so long and our lives are so short. We're here for just a breath. We're like the grass of the field, which today is, tomorrow falls into the fireplace in, in relationship to the, to, the, to the age of the earth and how the earth breathes. How many breaths do you breathe? How many lives can you live in one cycle of the earth's breath? An intake as the earth inhales and exhales. How many lifetimes will that take a human being to live just that one breath of the earth's? How slowly a tree breathes compared to you. How quickly you perish compared to a tree. How quickly a housefly dies. Its lifespan is a week compared to yours. So a housefly may live for seven days. And how long you live compared to that. It looks like an eternity to a housefly. And so we look at one breath of the earth and we say it's an eternity for us. And it is essentially relatively in scale. This is the way we need to look at things in scale. And so as I say, the only way to have our level of being alter and change is gently and slowly. And that will happen as we make contact with higher centers. And we can't make contact with higher centers when we're in negative states. It just is not possible. Upon what do you need to be working now? This is a question that people don't ask themselves nearly enough. What is it that you need to be working on now? If you can't come up with a specific answer within 30 seconds, you've not been observing yourself properly as the work instructs nearly as often as you need to. You need to observe yourself more often. You need to remember yourself more often. This is something that you have to do if you wish to develop. Listening to podcasts, that's wonderful. And maybe it even gives you something to, and it helps you to remember yourself. Maybe it even gives you some tools to help remember yourself. Wonderful. Good. I'm so happy for you. Now use them when you're not listening to the podcast. Use them when you walk away. Use them tomorrow. Use them this afternoon. Use them tonight. Use them in, in the morning tomorrow. You must make this work your work, but do it without diminishing its power or you'll fall into imagination, which leads to negative states, frustration, depression, and other unsavory states that rob you of your pass to higher centers. So I think that it's a good idea to think about what it is that that diminishes the work's power in us. I talked to someone today and he said, I've been working in my own way. And what I had to say to that is, if you've been working in your own way, you haven't been working because you can't work in your own way. You have to work according to what the work tells you to do. You can't work according to what you want to do. That's like Patty working out in her own way. So a trainer comes up and he says, well, do this. Well, I can't do that. I'm going to do this instead. I'm not saying you did this, Pat, so relax. But it's an example. And we work in our own way, but that's not how it works. We have to work as we're instructed to work because we don't know and something higher does know. And if we wish to go higher, we must follow the direction from something higher. If you wish to go lower, then follow the direction of people who are going lower, people who are going down people who are just allowing life to gobble them up, to devour them, then follow them. You'll end up in the same place. You follow something higher, 
you will end up where they are. That's how this works. For this work to be effective, you must will it and not treat yourself so tenderly. Come into the bright light of consciousness and observe without identification, without judgment. Don't flinch in the light. Keep your eyes as open as you can keep them. Look as intently as you can look, as separated as you can make yourself. And when you can't separate, look at that. Look at how identified you are. Look at how much you're identified. And look at why. This is working. Don't sell yourself short. But by all means, remember one thing above all else. No matter what is happening in your life, no matter what is happening in your life, we can work. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or a person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.